0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Authentic series, which walks through the book of James, discovering how we can be a growing and maturing Christian. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. James chapter five, and I'm gonna give you a little insight to um, kind of growing up in uh, in a pastor's home. And uh, growing up in a pastor's home, I know, I know anybody in here has probably experienced what I'm about to tell you, uh, but you haven't lived until you have church on a Sunday, and right after the service, uh, your parents or your mom comes up to you, and she says, get in the car, right, right now we're leaving. You say, well, why are, we why are we in such a hurry? And she goes, because I forgot that someone's coming over for lunch today, and we have to go make lunch and clean the house and you go, "Well, who's coming over?" Well, we have we have missionaries in and I, we just totally forgot that they were going to be there today. And so you your mom gets you in the car and you hurry home and as soon as you get home, you have to figure out how to clean All of the house and help mom make all the food, which I never really did, but she made all the food and we clean all the house and we would have to have everything ready and dad would do all the all that he could to uh, at the church kind of stall with that missionary or with that guest until he would look at his watch and think, all right, Judy's been home for about 20 minutes. That should be enough time. And then mom would come home or dad would come home. And uh, sure enough, it would look like we had been ready and we had been prepared and everything. Uh, but you know what happens is when someone, when you're expecting somebody, the way you think changes. When you're expecting somebody to come over, what you think, how you how you operate, what you're trying to accomplish, uh, it's it's going to change. And I know even in our own lives as a, a, a as a pastor, but even just as a person, and you've been there, if you're expecting company, man, you're probably gonna clean up a little bit. If you're expecting people, you're probably gonna try to figure out what to feed them. If you're expecting someone to drop in, you're probably gonna make sure that maybe the, the porch is straightened up, and all the, uh, uh, the trash that the kids left out there is all cleaned up, or whatever the case might be, uh, because when we're expecting somebody, our, uh, our approach, what we think about, it's gonna change, As we come to James chapter number five tonight, I think that that is kind of what's on James' mind as he writes to these believers. And James chapter number five, I think that as we kind of come, we have tonight and then uh, next Sunday night, we don't have an evening service, but the week after will be our last message in the book of James. But I think James really wants them to, to focus tonight on the finish. Hey, focus on the finish, but not just the finish of life. He writes to these believers, hey, I want you to remember that pretty soon the Lord's coming back. Hey, you should be expecting that the Lord is coming. And that that expectation, that anticipation of that guest that's going to come, uh, it, should, it should alter. It should change the way that you think about some things and the way that you approach some things. And that's what James writes about. So take your Bible if you would. Let's go to James chapter 5. <clears throat> And verse number seven, James writes this. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman, the farmer, waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for because the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay, nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Again, I think James has kind of the intention of drawing uh, his reader's attention to the finish line. If you go through that passage, what you find in there a few times is the the encouragement that the, the judge is nigh the the coming of the Lord is nigh. And tonight we're going to look and understand that James kind of just begins this, uh, we're gonna see it next week, kind of his conclusion about, about prayer. But I really think as he's kind of bringing the plane in, so to speak, in this letter that he's written. Of course, if you've been with us in our series, this is a, a letter from James to people, believers who have been scattered abroad because of the persecution, people who he was once their pastor, and now he writes to them with a concern that even though they're in the midst of these incredible, incredible trials and, and uh, this uh, uh, tribulation and circumstances of their faith being attacked, we know that James has written to them to try to help them, to encourage them, to keep them understanding that hey, even though, even though you're going through a trial, God is still on the throne. Even though you're going through a trial, God is still deserving of your focus. Even though you're going through a trial, God can still work in you because God uses trials to build faith, and that faith is what's going to help you move forward for the Lord. And there's just so much in the entire book of James, but at the end. I think he brings it all back to the Lord. Hey, be patient because God could come back. I believe we will see three simple thoughts. Be patient because God could come back. Be appreciative. Don't grudge one to another, but be appreciative of those around you. And then the third thought is be a person of character. Have character because the Lord could come back. And so that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. Take a few minutes and do that. So let's pray. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a minute and before I pray out loud, why don't you ask God to, uh, to speak to your heart today? Ask the Lord to help you and help me tonight to focus on the finish, to look at the end. Dear Lord, we wanna come before you and thank you for your word. And Father, I just wanna pray that you would help us tonight. I Pray you'd help each one of us to hear from you, that we would be challenged by your word and that you would encourage us. And Lord, that you would uh, draw our attention to the fact that you could come back at any moment. Lord, that it would affect everything that we, uh, that we say and do. And Lord, that it would affect how we live for you. Thank you for all you do. We pray that you bless our time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look to the coming of the Lord, as we look to that, what we're talking about, of course, as a believer, uh, is what we would refer to as the rapture. Uh, to be caught up together with him in the clouds. Of course, 1 Thessalonians speaks to this and uh, much in Revelation, and you can go back even to Ezekiel and Daniel and find a lot about the coming of the Lord, about the fact that uh, eternity for us as a believer is right around the corner. I think, of course, that can be twofold. Number one, we never know the day that we're gonna die. Number two, we never know the day that God could come back. Hey, it could be tonight. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? I know one of my dad's, uh, one of my dad's, prayers of course has been answered but uh not the way he thought it would but dad prayed i remember growing up he prayed god i want to go up in the rapture like would you allow that to happen and uh well he's up but he just didn't go up in the rapture that's all right uh, but you know what, man? That'd be what. A, what a cool way! What a cool way to go into eternity—the the rapture, being caught up together with believers who have gone before and with Christ. And this is what James is writing about. And if they, if they, two thousand years ago, were looking at the coming of the Lord as instantaneous, recognizing, "Hey, it can happen at any moment," uh, we need to know that it's that much. It's that much closer for us. And so, with that in mind, James gives these three challenges with the focus on the on the finish as we focus on the finish, as we focus on the coming of the Lord and focus on eternity, it brings three challenges into our life. Number one, the challenge is be patient. Be patient. We read in verse number seven and eight, as well as verse 11, or verse 10 and 11, the, the admonition to be patient. Verse number seven, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. The word patient in these verses <clears throat> means to be long-suffering or to be forbearing or to be enduring. It means to patiently travel through your trials, knowing that this is not the end. And then James gives an illustration. The illustration is of uh, the husbandman. You read that in verse number eight. Behold, the husbandman waited for the precious fruit. The farmer uh, waits for the crop to come in, and this is his comparison. Just as a farmer waits for the harvest and endures the trials, of farming. You think about what verse number eight says when it says he hath long patience for it until he receiveth the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Uh, I know we've used farming illustrations or uh, um, gardening illustrations before, but uh, if you ever plant a seed, you can't make it grow. You can't make the water come. I mean, you can maybe turn a spigot on and try to water it, but you can't make the sunlight come. You can't make the growth come. And that's the comparison that James is making, saying, hey, just as a farmer is long-suffering and toils the ground and just keeps going, but one day eventually gets that harvest just as a farmer does that, uh, even so the believer should be long-suffering and endure unto the coming of the Lord. He says, establish your heart or fix your heart upon the appearing of the Lord because it could happen at any time. I think it's funny, one man said it this way. He said, if a man is impatient, then he had, not, he had better not become a farmer or go fishing. <laughs> if you're an impatient person, don't be a farmer and don't go fishing. Uh, I remember we went fishing a few weeks ago with my, my in-law, my father-in-law, with Pastor Greg Perkins up there in Republic and the, teen, the kids we were all out there, and they were fishing. And uh, I remember we had been out maybe for about thirty minutes, and uh, and one of the kids went, "Oh, this is so boring." And I can't remember if it was one of ours or Savannah and Tommy. They were with us too that week, I think. And I uh, just went, "Oh, this is this is so boring." And we thought, "Yeah, it can be boring." And my father-in-law, he was just like, "Well, you know what they call it, don't you?" And he. They, he made some joke about the fact that if you're not catching fish, then you're just waiting on fish. And so he just talked about how boring it can be. You know what? Yeah, they don't call it fishing. They call it casting when you're just there and not catching anything. You know what they did is he, he put a bobber on some, of those, on some of those lines. And you know what you do when you're fishing? You cast. And if you're just fishing with worms, you sit and wait. That's all you do. And if you're an impatient person, man, it can, it can take some time. But if you like to eat fish, it's well worth the wait when you catch them, cook them, eat them. Same thing about farming. You can't make it grow, but you have to wait on it. This is the patience or the long-suffering that James is referring to. And here's, the, here's kind of the, uh, the connection to the context of the book. We all know that they were going through some incredible trials, and no doubt when when we're in a trial, you think about uh, when you read the book of James, you have to think about it from many of you are in there, so I'll give you this tip on reading the book of James. You have to read the book of James from the standpoint of he is writing to people who are in a great trial. That's what you have to think about. James is writing to people who are in a great trial because it literally affects how you read the book, knowing that he's writing to people who have lost their houses and lost their families and lost their livelihood and uh, had to be kicked out of their sitting. He's writing to encourage them. And so why would he write, be patient therefore unto the coming of the Lord? Because he knew that when we're in trials, that's when we're tempted the most to just throw things away. When we're in a challenge or when we're in a circumstance, I believe it can do one of two things. When we're in a circumstance that is a a trying circumstance, it can do one of two things. One, it can draw us closer to the Lord and cause us to have a, a deeper love for him and a deeper care for him and the things of him. Or two, it can cause us to kind of back away from him and say, well, if this is what's gonna happen when I live for you, then I don't know. And we begin to question the validity of of God and we we begin to question the validity of his call or of his purpose in, in our life as a husband or a wife or a teenager or somebody following the Lord. And so James writes and he says to them this, hey, just as a farmer has to be patient and has to endure and has to go through some challenges as he's farming that crop, as he's waiting for the harvest, even so, as a believer, be patient. Be long-suffering. Why? Because the crop is right around the corner. The harvest, the coming of the Lord, the the blessing is is just around the corner. And he pictures this this farmer, this spiritual farmer waiting on a spiritual harvest and kind of helps bring in this thought that a focus on the coming of the Lord, what will it do? It will bring encouragement and it will bring patience into the life of any believer. If we focus upon our challenges, and if we focus upon our discouragements, and if we focus upon uh, the trials that we face each and every day, if we do that, boy, it can become discouraging, can it? I don't know if you're like me, but I know in my Christian life, I know one of the areas that the devil fights the most is in discouragement. And I know even as a pastor that the devil will, will try to discourage me and try to uh, get me to have this mindset that says, you know what, I just, I, I just don't think it's worth it. I just don't think and have a mindset that says, well, I just, you know what the Lord wants to do? The Lord wants to encourage us. He wants us to have a mindset that says, hey, keep your focus on me because that will cause you to be long suffering. It will cause you to be patient. It will cause you even through trials to say, hey, this is the worst it's going to get. I said that a few weeks ago, and I think it's good for every Christian to be reminded, but the, think about it this way. The, the worst trial that you may experience in life, the worst trial that you may experience in life, that is going to be the worst that you'll ever have it for all of eternity. The worst that you'll ever have it for all of eternity. Now, I don't know about you, but that. That can bring a little bit of encouragement. That loss, that heartache that you felt, that that deep, that sickness, that loss of financial uh, ruin, whatever it may be. Man, for the Christian, for the Christian, what we have right around the corner is heaven. No wonder James says, hey, keep keep your focus on the coming of the Lord. Why? Because it'll encourage you to be long suffering, to be patient. And really, when you think about it, those trials that we face and the trials of life, they can they build us. And James already wrote to that in first James, or in first James, in James chapter one. Verse two through four, he said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith, it worketh patience. It helps you become long-suffering. So let that long-suffering endurance have a perfect or a complete maturing work in your life that you can be mature and entire, wanting nothing. And in our trials, we should, we should think about and focus upon the coming of the Lord because It will help us to be patient. James writes and he says, hey, I wanna encourage you, look to the finish line, keep a focus on the finish. Hey, somebody's coming and it's the Lord. What's that gonna do? It's gonna cause us to be patient. Secondly, I believe it will cause us to be appreciative. It'll cause us to be appreciative or to have an appreciation of uh, of brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse number nine. Notice what James says. He says, grudge not one against another. Brethren, lest ye be condemned, behold, the judge standeth before the door. This is a challenge here. The phrase, grudge not one against another, it simply can mean this. Don't be hard-hearted, difficult, jealous, or murmur against other believers. The idea here is to be caused to bitterness and frustration because of other believers. Now, my thought, my question as I was studying this and going through this passage was, why, why is James writing about this? Here he is. Hey, be patient. Uh, be long-suffering. Look to the coming of the Lord. Now, don't be hard-hearted towards other believers, because the judge standeth at the door. I mean, James, what are you trying to get at? And here's my thought about this in the context of the book. We looked at it a number of months ago, but I believe what's implied here is easy for every Christian to fall into. Think about it this way. Have you ever been serving God, traveling through your Christian life, and then you undergo some sort of hardship or some sort of trial? And then as you are in that hardship, as you are in that trial, you think of somebody, another believer who's not in a trial and you look at somebody else, maybe let's let's say it's a marriage challenge, and you look at your marriage and you think, wow, this is very challenging. Why don't they have that challenge? Boy, their finances seem really good. Mine are really, really tight. Boy, their job is really stable. Mine, it fluctuates, and I feel like I just can't keep it together. Uh, Boy, it seems like everything is going good for them, but why isn't it going that way for me? And and we can look over at other people running their Christian life, and we can think, why can't that be me? And why can't I have what they have? And why can't I be like they are? And if we're all honest, we all do that. We allow ourselves running in this uh, the, the track of life to look over at the next lane and to see how another Christian is running the race. And no doubt, This is on James' mind as he writes this. Because we have to know what they were tempted to, the the, the readers, when James is writing to them, put yourself in their situation. They perhaps could have been thinking, why did my family get arrested for being a Christian, but theirs didn't? Why did I lose my job for believing, but that guy still has a job? Why do I have it harder than them? And they could begin to justify themselves. And James has written to some of this. I mean, maybe the thought of, well, I'm just as faithful as they are. I'm just as loved as they are. I'm just as involved as they are. I mean, I was close to Peter, one might say, or somebody else might say, man, I was there on the day of Pentecost. Why is this happening to me? And before we trick ourselves and say, well, people don't really think that way, you talk to any foreign missionary, talk to any foreign missionary, and they'll tell you that sometimes one of the biggest struggles that Christians on a foreign field have is why, does, why do American Christians have it so easy? I remember I've talked to our uh, friend Amos Moses, and Amos has talked before about the, uh, the factionalism all in, in India and everything uh, in 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 your society. And his family being on that, that lowest rung and, and his father and the orphanage that they ran and all of those things and all of the trials that they've had to endure. I can recall on a few occasions where Amos would say to me, man, Dennis, American Christians just don't understand. They just don't understand. Because sometimes American Christians have it so easy and other Christians in other countries can look and say, well, why can't it be like that for us? And you and I, if we're honest, we do that with people, people that we're around. Why can't I have it as good as them? And so what does James write? What does James write to this? He says, hey, don't be hard-hearted toward other believers. The judge standeth at the door. Hey, the Lord is right around the corner. Don't be hard-hearted. But instead, what is the opposite of this Uh, of what what would the antonym be to this phrase, grudge not. It would be to be appreciative of them. To be appreciative of them, not to be jealous of of the situation or grumbling or complaining or living with a a grudging spirit. That is a sure sign of of me being uh, not long-suffering, of me not being patient. And James has just been giving this challenge to be patient. And one man said it this way, impatience with God often leads to impatience with God's people. And this is a sin we must avoid. And if you and I, as we go through life, are not long suffering, pretty soon it can cause us to live a comparative Christian life. And that is not what God has in store for the believer. And so instead of complaining about how much harder you might have it than some other believer, instead, I believe there's a challenge to be appreciative. Be appreciative of how God is working in the lives of those around you. Man, I praise God that they got a new car and I didn't. I praise God that they aren't having challenges at work while I am. That's okay. I, man, I praise the Lord that they are fill in the blank. Instead of having a judgmental complaining spirit, man, I just, I just praise God. But you know when that gets hard? That gets hard when the trouble really hits and the the circumstances really come. I remember with dad, as he, uh, excuse me, as he traveled through cancer, uh, you've you've heard the phrase survivor's remorse. Survivor's remorse is something when somebody who has, um, who has survived something that other people passed away from, whether it be an accident or a shooting or a disease or anything, there's, there's survivor's remorse. It's a psychological, um, it, it just kind of messes with you psychologically. And, of course, that was something that dad went through uh, many times because here he is surviving cancer, I think, six times, and here he had friends that got diagnosed with cancer and three weeks later were gone survivor's remorse. I remember, and I'm not going to try to get emotional or anything, but I remember when Brother Sam Stewart passed away with cancer. I remember dad after that, us sitting at breakfast, I think, and, and dad saying, why hasn't God taken me? He's like, why, why couldn't and, and him begin to do that? Those are the times. Hey, those are the times when, we, when it, it's a really hard challenge Those are the times when we have to step back and say, but God, in this moment, I'm not going to begrudge. I'm not going to be down on somebody else's situation. I think of that situation, and I know, uh, I believe Miss Anita wouldn't mind me saying this, but I remember after Brother Sam, I almost said Pastor Sam, he was like a pastor in my life. Sam was one of those guys. Hugged me every week. Said, "Pastor, I love you. Great message." And I'm like, "Sam, no, it wasn't. You don't have to tell me that, man." And uh, I remember Sam. Shortly after he passed away, uh, we had we had some news about my about Dad and and kind of about his cancer at that time going in remission. And I'll tell you, Miss Anita, I've never told you this, but one of the things, honestly, during all of that, that ministered to my heart was. Miss Anita's concern for my dad, even though her husband had just passed away from cancer. And the phone call to my mom, hey, what did the last CAT scan say? Hey, how did the blood work come back? Oh, Judy, she'd say, Judy and Pastor Fountain, uh, I'm praying. I'm just praying for God to work a miracle. Man, in those situations, it would be hard. That, that's hard. Why? Because I'm the one going through the trial and yet I'm wishing good upon you even though your good may be different than my bad. Hey, listen, that's what James is writing to because here's these believers and they're looking and, and I, I, I imagine it this way because we, we have to know that persecution was at a height that, that hopefully we will never see. And here's these believers looking around and I, I think of one maybe saying, You know, I, I think of a teenager whose dad got arrested and has been in prison or probably even giving his life. And a teenager whose friend, whose dad still has his job and is still doing fine. And that teenager has to battle that, that inside fight of why, why my dad? Why didn't it? And James writes to that and he says, hey, Don't be grudging against one another. The judge standeth at the door. Hey, this is all going to be over soon. Focus on the finish line, and it helps you to be appreciative. Man, I'm so thankful for how God has worked in their life. I'm so thankful for how God has worked in his life and in her life. And I know my situation doesn't look like that, but man, I'm so thankful that theirs does. It's just being appreciative. We see tonight that James says to keep our focus, that that focus set on the finish, that eternity is right around the corner. And when we do that, it's going to help us to be patient or long-suffering. When we do it, it's going to help us to be appreciative of other believers around us. And then thirdly, when we do that, it's going to help us to have character. It's going to help us to be a person of character. Notice, if you will, verse number 12. I've got the wrong... reference on this, but it's verse number 12. I couldn't think of the word reference. Wrong reference on here. James 5, 12. Notice what it says. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest you fall into condemnation. This is a challenge, basically, that what you say should match who you are. What you say should match who you are. Now, as we read James chapter 5, this, uh, this exhortation, this encouragement from James, it really could seem out of place. Because what does keeping your promises and being a person who doesn't have to say, well, I swear, I promise... Just being somebody whose life matches what they speak, what does that have to do with suffering? What does that have to do with being patient in challenges and and not being uh, grudging against others? Well, it's simple because if you've ever suffered, then you know the answer to this. When you're in suffering, it is easy to say things that you do not mean. And it's even easier when we're in suffering to try and to bargain with God. You ever done that? You're in a trial and you, you do something like this. Well, God, um, if you will do this, then I will fill in the blank. God, if you'll take care of this, then I will, and you kind of you try, to, try to bargain with the Lord. During times of trial, something else that's easy to do is it's easy to be short on character during hard times. It's easy to say one thing in a trial and do something else. Let's put this in context in the book of James. You have just found out that the market that you work at, the market where they sell produce and where they sell uh, maybe some meats, you just found out that your coworker, who also was a Christian, that they just lost their job. They just lost their job for being a Christian. The the, the boss found out there in Jerusalem and he said, "Hey, you know what? Uh, you're fired. I've, you believe in this Jesus fella? You're you're done." And so you find that out. You're going into work that day and you begin to think, I wonder if he's gonna come to me. I wonder if he's gonna ask me. And he comes to you, your boss, and he says, hey, did you know that I just fired him? Did you know that he was one of those Christians, that he was one of those Jesus followers? And you, you, answer, the, you answer the question honestly, yeah, yeah, I knew that. And then the question is pointed to you. Well, are you a Jesus follower? And in the moment, you know, if I say yes, I'm losing this job. But if I say no, I'm lying. If I say yes, what am I gonna do? But if I say no, what am I gonna do? And James is writing, hey, be a person where your speech matches your action in that moment you're gonna say yes i am why because that's my life it also has the connotation and the direct meaning of of you and i not having to be a person who is like no 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 i promise that's the truth i promise i promise i promise i you know the teenagers i swear i swear i swear i swear this is the truth you shouldn't have to be that person You should be a a person that as you travel through life, what you say is what you mean. Your yes is yes and your no is no. There's not a lot of things. There's not things that are being hidden. There's not things that are in secret. No, my yes is yes. My no is no. Why? Because I'm a person of character. And James is challenging these believers, no matter what is going on, be a person of character and have a mindset that says I have character in trials. I think uh, he he gave the example of Job. Did you read that in verse number? Um, let's see, verse number eleven. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. That the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy, but above all things. So he's just come through and given this illustration of Job. Uh, let's use that for just a second. Of course, he's talking about patience with Job, long suffering. But do we know that in Job's long-suffering, Job was a person of character? Did you know that? You recognize tonight that when Job went through all those incredible trials, that Job was a person of character? Here's what the Bible records for us in the beginning of the book of Job that stays with Job as a testimony of him. Job 1.22, and all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Oh, we know that James said, man, cursed be the day that I was born. But he wasn't cursing God. Remember his wife telling him, just curse God and die. Just give up on this. And Job said, How could I speak against the one who created me? Halfway through his trial, Job says, You know, I, I know that my Redeemer lives. That song that we sing, I know my Redeemer lives, is taken from the book of Job. No matter what I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. What was Job? He was a man of character. And here's what James is helping us with, that a focus on the character of the Lord, or excuse me, a focus on the coming of the Lord, it will help you to have character. I love how one man wrote about Christian character and our words. He said it this way. It's a rather lengthy quote, but you can read as I read. He says, it is a basic principle that true Christian character requires few words. The person who must use many words, including oaths or promises, to convince us that person has something wrong with his character and must bolster this weakness by using words. If you are a true Christian with integrity, then all you have to do is say, then all you have to say is yes or no, and people will believe you. I thought that was a good quote. Man, a Christian character, good integrity. All I have to say is yes and no. You know, one of the purposes of trials is to actually help build character. That's written about in the first part. It, it grows our faith. It grows that characteristic of faith. And <clears throat> our words should match our life. Our, our character should be that like Christ. And in these verses, what is is James doing? I think James is really drawing attention to he's coming back, and that should change how you and I approach some things. Just as mom's saying, hey, we got to get home, and we got to make dinner, and we got to clean up the house. People are coming over. We're expecting guests. Get to work. Clean that stuff up. Get, the, get everything put away. Get, get the dog put away. Make sure that, you know, and going through all of that type of stuff. Expecting those guests. It changed how we approached the afternoon. It changed how we approached uh, going home, what we were going to do. Even so, the, the coming of the Lord should change some things about us. What should it do? It should change how we travel through trials. Hey, let me tell you something. Trials are a part of life, aren't they? That's not surprising anybody. Trials are a part of life. They will come. So when I focus on the coming of the Lord, it will change how I travel through those trials. I'm gonna, instead of being short and frustrated and irritated at everything, it's gonna help me be patient, long-suffering, Enduring even through struggles. It's gonna help me if I'm focused on the Lord. It's gonna help me not to be grudged, not to have a grudge or to be jealous or hard hearted towards other believers that may have it better than me in the certain circumstance that I'm in. No, I'm just gonna be appreciative. I'm thankful for their faithfulness. I praise the Lord for what God's doing in their life, and I'm thankful for the trial that God's allowed in my life. And then also, it's gonna help me to have character. Man, He's coming back. So I don't, want to have a, I don't want to be a person that what I say and what I do are two separate things. I want to be a person that my life is backed up by real Christianity. Tonight I'd like to have our heads bowed and our eyes closed and just want to have a time where we can respond to the Lord as we think about the finish. I want to pray tonight that God would help us with these areas. And perhaps you would look into your life and you'd say, you know, I haven't been patient I haven't been enduring my trials with long suffering. Maybe tonight you would say, you know what, Lord? Help me. God, help me to focus on your you coming and help that to give me strength to endure. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.